We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast coming at you Friday morning. It's October 13th. Let's get right into it, Kyle. For today's show, we are going to, I guess, zoom out a bit. We've been doing a lot of like, what have they been talking about at training camp? Those those type of episodes. We're just going to zoom out, do bold predictions. You and I have done this for a couple years at about this time entering the season. I can't imagine we've had an incredible hit rate on, on these predictions, but that's the point of them. It's like, or that's the way I went about it was I was like, okay, thinking about things that, that could happen. But like, if I had about a hundred dollars on it actually happening, I, I would need some, I need some juice on it. Well, happy Friday the 13th. I know you, I know we're getting into it because we've had about 45 minutes of tech issues. So we do need to shout out Cooper Carlson for keeping yeah, us yeah. young and keeping us uh, plugged into the internet. But, uh, no, it, it this this week has been weird, right? Like I know that you've been going to practices and stuff. The team got back on Sunday from Abu Dhabi. They're into more of a normal training camp schedule, uh, but it it kind of felt to me like, like obviously you know I'm a big brunch guy, but like last week felt like when you go to brunch and you get there and you're all excited. Like the Wolves, they have some games coming up, and then like you get free coffee and it's like okay, vibes are great. And then they're like, actually, it's gonna be like 75 minute wait. That's like what it's been like. It's like the Wolves played, you know, almost back-to-back games in Abu Dhabi. They're in the morning. Everyone's vibing. And then just a week off or more. So I don't know how this is pod number four for you this week without any real basketball to talk about. So uh, I think bold predictions is a nice way to spice it up. I've got some, I've got some really good talking points and things I'm not concerned about, but, you know, worried about or just thinking about as the season Mm -hmm. kind of starts to pick up again. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to start with your first one? I've got some spicier ones, but I've also got some just nice, general, what I think will really happen this upcoming season. I want you to start, and I want you to start with your spiciest. Ooh, uh, okay. I don't need to read a pre-prepared statement on this, but I believe everyone is well aware of how I feel about Kyle Anderson. I deemed him the greatest free agent signing in franchise history. The bar is low, but uh, this team doesn't even sniff the playoffs last year without him, right? He was everything you wanted. He obviously slid into kind of the power forward mold when when Carl went down for those 52 games. Uh, just the Lake Slow-Mo, big fan. Love Kyle Anderson. 
For you sickos at home that like to put big dates into your calendar, the NBA trade deadline is February 8th, 2024. Okay. My first bold prediction will be that Kyle Anderson will not be on the team on February 9th, 2024. And to me, that just comes down to, I thought the pod you did with Jace the other day, uh, kind of talked about rotations and stuff. I thought that was really eye-opening and it kind of backed up what I've been thinking. Again, it would be great if Kyle Anderson finished his career here. Mm -hmm. But when you really start to break down rotations in minutes, like Kyle Anderson signed last summer, gets this big role, right? I mean, he is pretty much like the leader of the team. He's running things. He's playing, you know, the team was going through hell. He kept going. But now with Nas in the fold, Nas is like making more money than Kyle. Like there's just so many people in his way if this team were to try to make an adjustment prior to the trade deadline and you know they have an aggressive front office like let's say they need more shooting what other options do you have in a trade like to give up right i don't think they're going to give up the young guys that are on super super good goop to specials you're not going to move ant or Jaden. i i don't think they pivot off of the big experiment in season so you just start to find like what are what are the options you you know fantasy football what are the what are the pieces you can put in a trade to get something back sure and I think it's Kyle and I also think we're, we're I've asked you politely to not talk about second apron for a while and stuff but that stuff is not going to go away if this team doesn't think that you know it's the first thing I wrote down as soon as you said it <laughs> well I mean you know you do have Carl and Rudy and Nas taking up all this money and now you're going to hopefully pay Jaden and Ant like. If you don't think Kyle's going to resign with you next summer or you yeah. don't want to resign him, it's another thing that's like, well, maybe he just gets floated around at the deadline. And that, you know, and he would he, have interest, man. That That's what I'm thinking, too, is like to. And again, we're talking in hypotheticals, bold predictions, whatever. Like, I, I, I think about Kyle Anderson, like what if what if you're Denver? And you got Kyle Anderson for your second year. What if what, you know, like Denver's always had the, like, what are we doing with our backup five sort of thing? Mm -hmm. I, I I like weirdly think because there's no Nikola Jokic comparison in in the entire league, uh, but like style similarity of games. I like weirdly think the close the player who plays the closest to Jokic stylistically and maybe speed is is Kyle Anderson. Like, could you just see him on one of those teams where he's just ends up kind of being maybe it's a second unit like he was for the Wolves last year. I just think you, we could get to the beginning of February and be like, man, there's like 12 teams out there who mm -hmm. could use a use a Kyle Anderson. So I'm with that. And then, yeah, sorry, I kind of cut you off. But yeah, he's on an expiring contract on a team that is entering an offseason of a major financial crunch. The, he, the logic checks out. I got I got no pushback. With, with no with if you turn off injuries, there's just no way Kyle Anderson plays. I don't know, man, like even half of what he did last year as a role in minutes. Mm -hmm. And again, like some of this stuff really does matter, right? Like the politics of how much a guy gets paid. Uh, I know Finch loves Kyle Anderson. That's not Kyle... politics. That's economics. Okay. Yeah, that, that too. But, but like, I know, I know Finch loves yeah. Kyle, but he also loves Mike. Like, I mean, Finch, can only love so many guys. And again, I'm, I'm hopeful that Kyle Anderson probably is here for the full season yeah. because he promotes winning, but I was just starting to think like I was looking updates in the calendar like, oh, the trade deadline is the eighth. Who on the team is worth something that you would give up that's not, you know, like Kyle Anderson is way more valuable this, this season than Leonard Miller is. But Leonard Miller makes no money, basically. So 
that 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 was I'll start with my spiciest one, but that's kind of just something I have in the back of my mind that if this team were to find a need that they want to address before the deadline this season, Kyle Anderson's probably the piece you dangle out there mm-hmm. to make a move. And and you bring up Mike there too, who again kind of economically right has the the same sort of setup. Um, also another player in his thirties like Kyle is, uh, but to what you kind of led with, with it, with this whole topic is there's a bunch of other guys who can fill in that are, there are power forwards on this mm-hmm. team. Not a lot of point guards. I mean, again, we think there's a lot of guys who can lead ball handle, but if you traded Mike Conley within the same sort of way that you're talking about trading Kyle Anderson, now you don't have a starting point guard on your team. And that's, and I think that's it's the difference there. Easier. This is literally just a gut. I think it's easier to re-sign Mike next summer to a f- team-friendly deal to fit in to whatever you got left than it is for Kyle. Because if you sign Mike to a team-friendly deal, he's going to be your starting point guard for at least 60 games. Yeah, Kyle Anderson's probably not going to take less money and less of a role on a team that has not only Nas, Cat, and Rudy, but also at some point, Josh Minot needs a chance. Leonard Miller needs a chance. Hell, Luca Garza might need a chance. There's just so many bigs, and Kyle's best position on this team is big. So that's why I think what I think. No, I I, I like that one. I'll, I'll do my first one, which is kind of uh, related uh, in a weird sort of way. I wrote down the Rudy Gobert and Nas Reed pairing ends up being awesome. The way oh, Kyle Anderson like and Rudy Gobert was awesome last year. Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, 2.0. And... That maybe doesn't sound that bold, but I made bullet points as to why I think it is bold. One, it was a terrible pairing last season, minus 12.7 net rating. Here I have that that I can put up on the screen as well. This is Just look at who Rudy's pairings last season. With, with Ant, plus 1.2. With McDaniels, plus 1.9. With D'Lo, plus 0.2. With Kyle Anderson, plus 7.1. With Mike Conley, plus 3.2. With Towns, 0.6. With Noel, minus 3.1. With Prince, minus 2.5. With Rivers, minus 7. And with Nas Reed, minus 12.7. It was disastrous whenever Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert were on the floor. So, obviously, even if you just take that number and you're like, oh, they were neutral. That would be a major improvement. I also think why this could happen is that was such a, that was a relatively small sample size, right? Nas. And Rudy only shared the floor for 199 minutes last season. And that's obviously going to be more this season. I like the idea of the two, right? Where it's um, a more offensive big and a more defensive big. That's the kind of uh, obvious part of it. But what I think makes it bold and why it was just a bold decision in the first place to go to go get uh, or to re-sign Nas is that he's never been good with another big. And he's never really played much with another big on the floor. I mean, him and Kat, as I have up on the screen again, too, terrible numbers every time they've ever been on the floor. Minus 7.3, minus 10.3, minus 2.4. And then his rookie season, plus 33.3, but that was only in 10 minutes. Nas has never worked with uh, another center. And um, I am a lot more open. I've always kind of been open-minded to the idea, even though the numbers have said the obvious. My theory with Nas working with the center is that they've never gave it extended stretches of time. It's like two minutes here, two minutes there, whatever. I think you're going to consistently see Nas Reed 
playing with Rudy Gobert. And I think in some of that consistency, you're going to get a lot more uh, production from the pairing. I think this is related to what you're talking about. But I just want to ask, because we want to use bold predictions as a fun jumping off point to have some back and forth mm-hmm. conversations. Do you think, and it could change, but I was looking up all these different betting odds at DraftKings, and we'll get into them in a sec, but do you think Nas Reed will be this team's pseudo six man, or will that change on a nightly basis? Like, because I'm saying, like, do you think Nas Reed, the first sub could typically be Nas for Carl? Uh, I mean, it, it could be that, but I, I think what we're really asking with six man is like, who's the guy who plays the most minutes off the bench? Okay. Right. Yep, that, um, and I, I, I think to your question, I think that could situationally be Kyle Anderson, could situationally be Nikhil Alexander Walker, and could situationally be Nas. Like, I don't think one of the three of them is clearly at the top of the, the bench pecking order. And think that will probably change based on opponent and probably change based on effectiveness of, you know, how, how it plays out and actually works or not. I'm with that. And I'll just get into my second one. So if you have can nothing I, else, can I actually uh, play, I asked Nas oh, cool, about yeah. the pairing uh, at practice yesterday or two days ago or something. I'll play that clip here. You did that uh, drop-off pass to Rudy for a dunk in, in one of the games. And I think you played more with Rudy than you played with Cat in those two games. What are, you, what are you learning about playing with Rudy? It's not something you did a ton right. last season. Like, how do you two fit best together? What do you guys think to make that happen? Well, the way he plays is kind of, like, completely opposite to how I play. So that's, that's, like, for one. And then, like, for two, it's just, like, Learning how to react, learning how to react to how he moves and vice versa. Um, you know where he, knowing where he's going to be and where I, where I should be. Obviously, that's opposite of him. Um, not getting in each other's ways. Um, you know, and that's kind of easier than being in a position where I'm with Cat, which we can do. But we, like I said before, we do the same thing, so it's kind of like a little bit, a little bit weird in in, in, in that, some aspects. And with you know, with, with with both of us playing with Rudy, I think it's like. It's just day and night, you know what I'm trying to say? That, that makes sense. Lendale White and Chris Johnson. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that's I, I I can't get enough. I know I have my biases and the players I like, and you you kind of stand Nas Reed forever. I just can't really get enough of Nas Reed. As much as like it's fun to do the Nas Reed thing on tweet. Like I just I think he's one of the smartest we've always heard from everyone in the in the building that he's the most competitive, but I think he's also just one of the smartest players. I mean, his whole story, again, we've said this ad nauseum, but like he, it's just awesome. He just wasn't drafted. And now he's a core piece of a franchise and he's making good money. And I thought that was a really good answer, actually. And I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see, because as you just put it on the screen, like the numbers don't really, you're kind of going against the grain here. That's why it's a bold prediction is that he's not really ever had great success with another big. The numbers uh, suggest it should be like the worst pairing that the wolves mm-hmm. play the entire season and i'm suggesting it'll be one of the best i like that that's spicy i'm gonna move into my next one should we hit the uh, falling knife thing first yeah oh we get 24 hours from now let's get it let's do it i want to just make sure we hit this early so people <laughs> if they're listening on friday know that uh this oops i got some sound playing there we don't need that um this saturday at falling oh, knife uh, i'm really great. excited uh to to hang out uh, as as we have last year at this time and uh, get together with a bunch of fans, kind of Wolves Brewery takeover. Like I've been 
telling everybody um, four o'clock this Saturday at Falling Knife we'll kind of start. Me and Britt will do a live show at five. Uh, then the Wolves play the Knicks and we'll watch that there at six thirty. So even, you know, if you're kind of busy during the day on Saturday and you just want to come to the game part, that's totally fine. We're just kind of making it a late afternoon into evening full day uh, at Falling Knife. We got merch to give away. I got right here. I got some Wolves tickets to give away. I think this is. Ooh. Yeah, 16, yeah, 16 Wolves tickets to give away. Um, so I think it'd be fun. You know, we we want to we want to all get together and we want you all to get to know uh, Falling Knife as well. So again, tomorrow, Saturday, 4 p.m. Uh, I'll be there. Britt will be there. Cooper Carlson will be there uh, with us. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun. It, it feels like a festival season or like a festival because... I know that the the friends over at CND and and Crunch Wears No Pants had an event last night to kind of kick off this festival. I know mm-hmm. our friend John Krasinski and, and Michael Grady are having one tonight, and then it really you're yeah, like go to hot, that too. Go to all of them. Yeah, and you and you and Bert are kind of like the Red Hot Chili Peppers then on like night three of the festival. So I didn't know you had that many free tickets. So let's remind people again: like come yeah. come get beer. They'll have merch, free tickets to games. That so shout out to the Wolves for for hooking us up with that. Yeah, uh, sure. It's going to be and then back to this dumb brunch analogy like you're finally going to get to eat again because there's real basketball tomorrow we don't have to focus on how they looked against a decrepit dallas mavericks roster yeah and and i was thinking when at the open when when you were just like talking about the the long breaks like it's about to start coming like fast like there's a game on saturday there's a home game against maccabi on tuesday then they're in uh chicago on on thursday so if we have had this slow ramp up like it's gonna it's gonna pick up here fast and i mean i i know it's preseason but i felt like i learned some things i think it's a worthwhile experience to watch this team I mean, maybe just the first half but uh they're, they're taking it seriously um the preseason like playing their guys and trying to catch a rhythm because they know they didn't have a rhythm when when they started uh last season so i, I actually think it's like a as interesting of a preseason as I can remember from a Wolves perspective, from actually watching the game standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm so hyped because it's obviously, yes, it's Friday the 13th, but we're like two weeks away from possibly just like, remember, like we're two weeks away from tweeting out the referee report. We're all pissed off the next morning or like we are, we're all so excited for this to come back much like I am with fall. And then like, it's going to be raining and like, God, I hate this team or we're going to be calling for people's heads and stuff. So, we are a couple weeks away. Times from, are high. Times are high from getting mad again online. So okay, yeah. My, give me your second prediction. My second bold prediction, and I have this all pulled up from last year as well. But I think Nikhil Alexander Walker will finish the season top five in total minutes played. Okay. So G- that give me, is give me the give me the why. The bold part about that is that obviously you would assume injuries turned off that Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns will probably finish the season top four minutes played. They are your four best players. Mm-hmm. But Mike Conley is going to start at point guard. Kyle Anderson, I've already kind of said, is your Swiss Army knife off the bench. And then you have this Nas Reed character who's making 12 times what he was making last year. So there's going to be a, a high end. Then you talk about Shake Milton and Troy Brown and do any of the you know third stringers get a chance. Mm-hmm. I think it's bold enough to say that Nikhil, while not starting... And based on what we just said earlier, not necessarily being the guaranteed six man, I just think he's going to force his way into as many rotations and lineups as possible. 
We've only had two really weird preseason games, but in both those games, I thought it was very telling that when Jaden was out, you put in Nikhil. When Ant was out, you put in Nikhil. I think Finch, while he says more often than not how many favorite players he has or how many guys he likes, I think Nikhil, gun to his head, is maybe one of his three or four favorite players back to their time in New Orleans. So I just think Nikhil can be the point guard, starting point guard on nights when Mike's out. I'm pretty open about I don't even think Mike Conley should play north of 65 games. I know he's rejuvenated, all that stuff. But if you actually think this is a team that's going to make a run, you want him healthy for April and May. You don't need him in January and February. But if he can play behind Mike, start for Mike in spots, if he can start for Ant in spots, if he's going to start for Jaden in spots, like he's just going to accumulate so many minutes. And again, I just think Finch really likes him. So I think he finishes the season top five in minutes played. And when looking up last year's team, I'm just asking you, Dane, do you know who was sixth last year in total minutes played? Or do you want to do the top? Do you want to do the top five? How? Okay. That's sad. (laughs) Like, if you look at some of the guys, I know Jake Painting was on this, but like some of the guys that got a lot of minutes last year, they've just replaced that with like mm-hmm. better players. So do you have a problem with that? Top five in minutes? No, I, I was trying to think of a devil's advocate. And I think the devil's advocate is Shake Milton. Like how okay. much do those two, whatever, kind of share the same part of the minutes pie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, I think with both, shake and with Nikhil at similar positions Finch is very interested in because they kind of give you different things I think um my my guess would be we're like six weeks into the season and we kind of like both of them as like bench one twos and with Nikhil we're excited about the uh the on-ball defense and the spot up shooting and we're a little bit concerned about offensively when he has to handle maybe turnovers some stuff like that, like the playmaking element mm-hmm. of it. And then I think shakes maybe like the inverse six weeks into it. We're like, man, this is, this is a playmaking option. This is a guy that can go finish all the way to the rim where Nikhil, not so much all the way there. Uh, but then maybe defensively we're like, you know, he's acclimating to a new system. I, I kind of asked him about this yesterday where just cause this kind of has my like antenna raised defensively for him. Like, he played his entire career in as conservative of a defensive scheme as you could have, right? Like Embiid back at the rim, it's the mm-hmm. same thing over and over again. And I mean, you look at it on the surface and you're like, okay, well, he goes from Joel Embiid to Rudy Gobert defensively. Those are two extremely similar players. Um, but we know how it is. Like there's there's going to be Nas at the five sometimes, Cat at the five sometimes. Even Rudy is going to play more aggressive sometimes it's going to be a different defensive um team for for shake to adjust to though i mean he's huge he's like six six seven one wingspan like he should be uh, a good defender but i wonder again in the first like four or six weeks of the season if when we're pulling up you know the defensive rating stats do maybe the wolves give up five six more points per 100 possessions when shakes on the floor versus when Nikhil's on the floor i i could see that uh, and then vice versa. I bet you the offense is maybe better with Shake on the floor uh, than it is with Nikhil. I mean, it's kind of dependent on who they play with. But uh, I, I'm really excited about both of them. And I don't think I, – I, it's like it's one of those things where it wouldn't be crazy to suggest almost anybody on the team is fifth in minutes, right? Like, Right, yeah. It, like it, because to your mic point or anybody from, from the bench could be assert, assert themselves into that role. We know Ant and Carl – 
uh, and Rudy are going to get theirs there. But I do think the fifth in minute spot is uh, is definitely available there. I just thought it was telling, again, small sample size, but I thought it was telling that when, Jay, when, when Ant didn't yeah. start or didn't miss the first game, that Nikhil started. It's like, okay, that makes sense. And then when Jaden didn't start in the second game and it was Nikhil again, I was like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not. Maybe we see a completely different rotation on Saturday against the Knicks. But it seemed like when the first domino of that big starting five was out, Finch's first move was to just plug Nikhil in. And that's why I think he would have the upper hand on a six-man Right, because you wouldn't but, be saying this if 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 Nikhil or if uh, sorry if Shake Milton would have started the first game when 100%. Ant was out, or Troy Brown started the second game when when Jaden was out, you'd, then you'd feel more like oh maybe Nikhil is more in the morass of mm-hmm. the of the bench guys. That does signal that he's as close to the sixth man uh, thing as uh, as anybody yeah. from that. Some group. of the guys who played high minutes for the Timberwolves last year were more ass than the guys they're going to be playing this year. Uh, my second bold prediction, you know, I had to like, this is going to be taken as a negative one. I had to put one of those in there. Uh, and we're doing bold predictions. It's that ant doesn't make the all-star team. And, and here's the thing, like the prediction coming true doesn't mean that like they're going to be bad. I'm thinking about this through the sense I have in this moment at October 13th, where so much of like the focus and adjustment and what we're trying to grow and enable right now is a new style in place to get more out of Rudy. You know what I'm saying? And Kat and the pairing there and really being like, we need those tides to raise because those tides are going to raise all boats. And and there's kind of this like baked in like Ant's going to do his thing regardless. And I agree with that. I, I think we could just be at February all-star time and Ant has just kind of like the same numbers as last year, which are really good, right? Um, there might not be the usage available that given how they're going to play to to really give Ant this, the, the bandwidth to make the quote-unquote massive leap that so many people uh, are predicting. Even if he doesn't make that leap, it doesn't mean that he can't do it it might mean that they're prioritizing something else. And in an awesome Western conference, you know, maybe he's like the first or second guy that's pinched out of the group and he doesn't get in this time as a injury replacement. That, that, that was one that came to my mind. Yeah. I would almost only push back and say, it's not that it's not bold. that bold in well, only in the sense that it's, it's bold. If you look at like these ESPN top 100s, what they, they was he like 12th or 13th? I'm I'm in this prediction saying he's not 12 or 13, even in the West. Right. And yeah, you and I have kind of talked about this offline a little bit. And I mean, this guy is the limit for the kid. And he okay. is this the straw that stirs the drink. I do think his share price has just gotten a little inflated where it's like, is he, could Anthony Edwards be a top five MVP candidate? Like, I don't know yet. Right, One day for sure. I think he could win an MVP, but mm-hmm. Sometimes you get so focused on like his rise and how he looked for Team USA and stuff, and then you forget like, oh, there's the West is just a bloodbath of talent and talented guards and wings. So I like Team USA played a different way than the Mm -hmm. Wolves are going to play. Mm -hmm. Not that one is going to prove to be right or wrong or whatever. Like they believe this style of play that they're going to bring into this season, which as you know, talking to the coaches and players is going to be an adjustment from last season is best for this group. 
it might not be best, best, best for, for Anthony Edwards in terms of like individually highlighting him to put up crazy individual stats. Yeah, because you're adding 52 more games of Carlton Towns back into the mix, right? It's like mm-hmm. Ant's raw numbers aren't, and you have a better bench and you have, you know, guys that are going to have higher roles like Nas Reed. So I like that one. I, uh, would that mean, I don't know if this is on your list, but would you then be saying also that you don't have him making all NBA? That that's what I was writing down. But I'm like, there's been a couple of guys who have not made the really? okay the all star. I remember Goran Dragic did one year. I want to say like Beal. Some it's, I think it's happened twice, like in the last eight years or something, um, where where a guy didn't make all star and then did make all NBA. And I think both times it was for sure the Dragic one was in just like the loaded loaded Western Conference, you know, where there's just so many guards and and he was having an awesome year, mm-hmm. uh, but like only six guards or whatever can make the. Uh, the Western Conference All Star Team. So i I wouldn't say not making. I wouldn't say not making the All Star Team precludes the possibility that he can make All NBA. Maybe you know, maybe it's the classic like snubbed and you know I'm gonna prove everyone wrong, and then the rest of February, March, April, he's like 35 and eight, and you're like, okay, this guy needs to be on All NBA, which now is not position dependent. To make All NBA, you just need to be a top 15 player in the NBA, not a top six guard or whatever and position you to, you're labeled at. And you also need to play a, a minimum amount of games, right? Yep. 65, so that, I believe. So that might work in his favor. And then again, sure. uh, probably not reporting here, but I would imagine Anthony Edwards is well aware of how important <laughs> all NBA is for yeah, him this yeah, season. Yeah. Uh, yes. There are 40 to $50 million on the line. Yes. And, and, and again, I'm, this is not a prediction. This is a bold prediction. And I think, I don't know, like, what would you say the odds are that Ant makes all-star team? Like, I 70%, would, I was going to say like 60, 40, 70, 30. Yeah. I wouldn't say 80%. 80% is high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And particularly again in, in the West. So uh, yeah, I guess it's not, I mean, if it is 60, then I'm saying 49, you know, that's not, okay. a, not a, not a huge difference there. Uh, you want to give me your third one? Yeah. So this. I did this research early this morning, and I'm pretty sure I have this right. But NBA teams typically play about seven games in a two-week span. You know, sometimes you got four games, sometimes you got three. So I'm deeming this bold prediction my perfect pay period. The Timberwolves will have their first seven-game win streak since 2004. Okay. I, as I'm watching in the baseball playoffs, too, kind of with how random that can be, I think trying to pin down exactly how far this team could go is a little bit of a crapshoot because you don't the, the the west is such a bloodbath and you got guys like jaw out for a while i just i don't know but if this goes back to last year what we thought when they were bringing in carl and rudy and stuff i do think this team more than ever is just going to chew up wins mm-hmm. and wins in certain moments where i mean if anyone who listens to this that has followed the nba enough there are just ebbs and flows to the energy of the league it's part of the reason the new in-season tournament has been added is just it really can you know january february it's cold in a lot of places and guys are sitting out or whatever i just think this team is going to have streaks they might also have a seven game losing streak but i also was just wanted to bring that up because i can't believe that this team hasn't won seven straight games in 20 years <laughs> I like i just wanted to bring that up so i i, I remember like I remember looking that up. Was was that last year that they were at six they did they tie yeah, six they, last yeah, year? they've had six yeah. a couple times yeah yeah yeah, no, that, that, I, I think that's 
I think that's due. Did you have a time? Do you want to like exacto this with a <laughs> oh what God. month? What month does it happen? When does it happen? Uh, well, I'll, I'll just. I knew you looked. This I'll up. parlay this into it too. But I another just. I'll tie this bold prediction. The Minnesota Timberwolves will play at least. The Minnesota Timberwolves will play at least one game in Las Vegas this season, which would mean the the final four for the play in tournament is in Las Vegas. So I'm telling you that I think they're going to make the play in final four or the, okay. the in season final four. But I, I, I really do think if they were to hit a seven game win streak, it's going to be like November, December. Cause I think they just, again, I'm basing every take off of two random games, but they just look more professional than some of the other teams I'm watching right now on like preseason league pass. And they have more continuity than a lot and of that's the, the big Conference one teams. Yeah. I, not to spin this podcast into a different direction, but last year it seemed like depth, was kind of their backbone. And it was because they lost Carl and you plug in Nas, you plug in Kyle. And we've always said now that this year is even deeper. But I wonder if continuity will be the one word term to describe this team more than depth. It's just, there's not a lot of other teams around the league that have... I'm, I'm hearing the word continuity asked in about three questions per media scrum here. Like, Wait, just, is this, is this the most... Like it's a topic for sure. I mean, is, is this the most continuity? Someone asked me this, like, is this the most continuity Ant has had since he joined the team? Like, yeah, but that doesn't yeah. mean anything because yeah. the bar was so low. <laughs> but more importantly, is this maybe the most continuity the team Carl's ever had? Right? Like, oh, how yeah, many... For sure. So I just wonder if that is, you know, the trust falls. Like, this team knows each other better. I didn't love the going overseas thing for preseason because I think it can be taxing as a traveler, but from what I've heard from other people that were on the trip, it's like, yeah, these guys were just hanging out 24-7. I think that matters, too, for a team that was punching everything, including themselves. So, yeah, I, I do think they have just a couple hot weeks, and I don't think there are five teams. I mean, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, no team is better designed and has a history of a franchise to win something like the in-season tournament. Like, that would be the first banner this team's ever really hung. That would be hilarious. <laughs> like, we won some games in December, and we're going to have a moment where we, like, pull the flag, and it raises up in the ceiling. So I think they just win games that other teams wouldn't be as... Like, the Warriors, right? They don't worry about a January win. The Wolves are going to win those games yeah, because they have the depth and the continuity. So I think back even particularly, like, November. Like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with that, really, in that th there's an opportunity for this team early on in the season to stack some like mm -hmm. that should be, that should be uh, the goal 100%. And to do that, to tie it into to mine, I think the way any of these real, like you're saying the seven game win streak or the, the play in tournament, we're looking for like a consistent high watermark, right? Mm -hmm. Which last season's team didn't do ever. Right. It was the perennial 500 team. They were always mm -hmm. up and down and nothing stayed good for two weeks and nothing stayed bad for two weeks. It always came back and forth. And I think when I think about why that happened, I think it was because the offense was so inconsistent mm -hmm. and the defense was like weirdly consistent throughout the year. They were eighth at the end of the season, eighth in defensive rating and 23rd in offensive rating. And that is, you know, gonna be the difference maker this season. I think is, is being able to be bring those things closer to each other. And my third bold prediction is that this team this season is better offensively than it is defensively from a Ooh. offensive rating versus defensive rating. Standpoint. I like that. Yeah. There's a lot of colors on my screen right now. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So you think they're shout out cleaning the glass.com. You, you think they're a better offensive team this year than defensive team? Yeah. Which I, again, 
believe is bold because they're toward 23rd in offense last year and eighth on defense. Uh, I, I think my belief with Carl is that if you get him for a healthy season, he is a walking top 10 offense that we've okay. seen that previously uh, in his career. I feel pretty confident about his health and his ability to kind of have that same impact uh, on, on the group this season. It, I mean, they've been a top 10 offense before with like just Carl, you know, now you have ants in the mix as an offensive weapon. You have Rudy, who is a, you know, an efficient offensive player. If, and when he's taking his shots, AKA dunks. Um, I don't see why this team can't be a top 10 uh, offensive team. And I think to the, like what I'm also baking in here is maybe a little bit of defensive uh, regression, right. Mm -hmm. For that to come true. And, and I think it makes sense that there might be some defensive regression because they really, once things kind of went haywire last season with cat getting hurt, they went back to just kind of playing like one way. They're like, all right, defensively, like funnel everything to Rudy. We're going to be the rim protection team. We're going to be the drop coverage team. We're going to do that. Right. And, and what we're going to see with Carl in the mix, Carl playing half the minutes at the five, Rudy playing half the minutes at the five is two completely different styles of defense. Um, and that's hard. That, that's hard to do. It's a great strategy. It's a necessary thing to prepare yourself for, for the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, but that's going to have its ebbs and flows and probably, I don't know, probably might make them not a top 10 defensive team this season. Though, I got to admit, it seems like their focus is like, let's be a top 10 defensive team because we think uh, the, the offense is, is going to come around. They're going to be super intentional about defense. I just wonder if the offense might be substantially better than a lot of people are getting them credit for. So again, for the listeners, it is your belief or your bold prediction that this team will have a better offense than defense and they will be, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe an offensive juggernaut with yeah, a healthy Carl. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So can I can I take a 30? Can I use this moment to talk about... I know we're going to do some like kind of win projection stuff maybe next week or maybe some bets, but mm-hmm. so I was just scrolling through DraftKings and I had just like a list of bets because... Someone got me started with like, so their win total is 44 and a half, right? And I know that um, ESPN did like their projections, Kevin Pelton and like had him at like 47.7. But I was just shopping around for like last year I looked and the Wolves were like top five and like Rudy Gobert's top five in the defensive player of the year odds and all this crazy stuff. And I don't know if you saw the GM survey or whatever, but the Wolves, did you see the GM survey? I saw like highlights of it. Okay. So the, my biggest takeaway was like not a lot of respect for the team like in terms of placing in the West, it's a little Shocker. ant stuff in terms of being athletic, like no mention of Jaden on perimeter defenders. But there was one reoccurring theme in all that that I want to get to. So they're minus 150 to make the playoffs. Not great money. Um, they're plus 550 to win the Northwest division, which again, they're in the same division as Denver. Yeah. I don't see that don't happening. That. They're plus, they're 70 to one to win the finals. Don't love that. Um, but, but let's be real. You put ten dollars down. No, but hear me out though, because this is something I think is is an opportunity. Uh, Ants thirty to one to win MVP. I think that actually those are bad odds. I mean, they were like fifty to one before he had his Team USA thing. Mm. But there's one bet that I thought was really interesting, and it would back up what your bold prediction is. Mm. Chris Finch is twenty eight to one to win Coach of the Year. Oh, I like that way more than Ant to win MVP. And in the GM survey, Chris Finch was like the second most honored. Timberwolves employee behind Ant. It was like who runs the best offensive sets, and it was like Finch was third. Like there was a couple other things about Finch being a highly ranked coach, and I just think that if this team were to finish top four in the West, let's say, and it's like Denver, Golden State, sure, the Lakers, and Minnesota, mm-hmm. Finch is going to get all of those Coach of the Year votes, right? Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was you know at twenty eight to one, if you run this thing twenty eight times. Do you think the Wolves can have a simulation where they do win 50 games or, you know, well, all the and, other and things? And he's going to totally get credit for making the disaster Make, of yes, Gobert and yes. Towns. If, if he can, right? Yeah. Like, they probably, in this scenario, win like 50 games, right? And they're the two or three seed in the West. And to win 50 games and be the two or three seed in the West, the Rudy Cat thing is not a problem. It has That fear of it has been deleted and I think, again, we got to remember who's voting on these things, uh, a little bit more narrative based with the media. And, you know, that's the that's the general national media opinion, like take of the wolves right now. Right. Is um, can't can't make this work with the roster construction, as is a lot of talent. Um, and the narrative would be if the wolves are 50 and 32, that um, Chris Finch has put those two things together. It would actually really remind me of, I, I don't know why this keeps coming to my head, when Tibbs won with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I like, have a list yeah. up here of the guys that have won it, and Tibbs with the Knicks, and then actually Mike Brown just last year with the Kings. It's like, I, from an MVP standpoint, Ant and Carl could mm-hmm. cannibalize themselves, and maybe Jaden and Rudy 
cannibalize themselves on defensive awards and stuff. But it's like the one person that can't really be cannibalized is Finch. And if this team wins 50 games, I think the first time since Kevin Garnett's been here or whatever, like if they do something in the West, that would have put him, I think, on the mantle of like they people like voting for guys like Chris Finch to win it. Right. Like they're not going to give it to Michael Malone. They're not going to give it to whoever's coaching the Bucks right now. Like those teams are expected to be really, really good. So that was my favorite bet. They might try to give it to Mike Conley, but I don't think he'll be on the ballot. Uh, I would vote for him yeah. for sure. So I just I, I thought that was an interesting one. It's yeah, it's not really a bold prediction because it's twenty eight to one. So I don't think Finch is going to win it. But I, when I start to think of like future bets, I always am like, okay, what are the good odds? And it's not good odds to say they're going to make the playoffs. But if this team were to be really good, who is probably going to benefit from it the most? And I think it would be Finch because. No one like Micah Nori is not going to get coach of the year votes, right? Like there's really no way to hurt his chances. So that would be something I would sprinkle some, some it's payday today for me. So sprinkle some money on is that if, if this team is really good and defies the odds. And like you said, he makes an unmakeable thing work or an unworkable thing work. Finch will probably get a lot of love. And yeah, I, I like thought that. it was interesting that in the GM survey, he was getting love in a situation where the wolves weren't getting any love. I mean, there are people that really think Chris Finch is an awesome coach. So there you go. Can you remind me how it works on the making the playoffs thing? Does that need to be top six or do you need, is it like Ooh. getting out of the play in tournament? I remember that. Just no, like, I think it's, I think it's just making the playoffs. So you're yeah. building. Cause I, so you could be that you could be in the play in tournament, win the play in tournament, like get mm-hmm. out of the play in tournament mm-hmm. and you've made the play that that's what. Yeah. And don't hold that. Don't hold my feet to the fire, but I bet I, this last year, the Wolves would make the playoffs, and yes, they made it through the back door, but I was paid off of that. So. Okay, so yeah, so that that is what I, I just forgot how that um, worked. All right, we're each going to do one bold NBA prediction. Uh, you want to start us off there? Yeah, can I, can I tell you the one? I had just stupid ones. I had an Iowa Wolf who will score 50 points this season. I tried my damnedest to try to find what the uh, record was for that, but I know Luca Garza had 47 last year. And again, I go back to how absolutely deep this team is and guys like Luca and Josh and even Leonard and Wendell won't really play. So I think they're going to be like bleeping Harlem Globetrotters down there in Des Moines and they're just going to pummel some teams. Um, but it, one, I did this we last year. We should go year. down there. Yeah, we should go for down sure. there for a game. And I like, will fly into do Des Moines. That's on... like Luca or something. That'd be fun. I, oh, I'm deal. Let's, okay, uh, bold prediction. We will be hanging out at another brewery in some random town in Iowa uh, in November. I, I went down one... there, did a story down there. I will say... I was like, big fan. Why am I going to Des Moines? I it was. I had a blast uh, down there. We actually got snowed in and like had to stay uh, an extra day. And um, I, I think it's like I was talking to my brother about this when we were at the uh, Twins playoff game the other day, and how like you know the St. Paul Saints or now the Triple A team or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, how sick would it be if the Iowa Wolves were in St. Paul? Like, I mean, I'm psychotic and so like i would go all the time but i think like a lot of i think a lot of people would like love would love to go and watch leonard miller play josh might not play you know luca garza uh all the time uh, i i think like i know i just watched like a few of those the the like 45 point games from luca garza last year or the clips of it and it's fun like and it's not terrible basketball it really it really isn't it's like a level up for summer league for sure so the one i had that I was going to recycle from last year, but then I like might have single-handedly gotten him hurt. Last this is year, an NBA. Or is this no? I just NBA want to tell you the one that okay, cool. didn't make the that fell on the cutting floor or whatever that saying is. I the franchise record 
for most threes made in a single season is 240 by Malik. Yeah. Simple math would say that if you hit three threes a game, you would break that, you know, 82 times three. Um, so I was just looking into this because I've, I've wanted to say, I said it last year, that Carlton Towns will break that record. So 240 made threes. Do you know what the most attempts Carl has ever taken in a season? Oh, no. 400, I don't know. 366. Wow. That is really low volume. Yeah, because when he was back, when he was playing 82 games every year, he wasn't shooting threes that much. So when Malik broke the record and set it at 240, do you know how many threes he took that season? Uh, it must have been like... 637. Yeah. <laughs> that man is a god. Hang his jersey. So he has taken nearly 300 more threes in a Wolves jersey in one season than Carl's ever taken. So That's I couldn't bad. say this for this because it's like, if even if Carl were to take 400, he's got to shoot. I don't, don't make me do math, but he's got to shoot such a high percentage. And even though he's so efficient, like, so I don't know. But, well, it's even if that, we always say the number like eight for Carl, right? That, that's what you always say, right? Yeah. Eight threes a game. And then if you say Carl plays 70 games, that's 563s. Like, that's five, yes. Yeah. If he plays 75 games, you know, that, now you're up. You're still less than Malik took that. <laughs> I thought that was just an interesting number yeah. to go to basketball reference and see oh. 366. Because like what you just said, we're all kind of just penciling in or promoting or manifesting Carl to take eight threes a game. That would blow his like mm -hmm. best season out of the water. And right. I, so I don't know if it's actually doable. Like I hope he takes 450 now just seeing those numbers. <laughs> right. uh, before I do my uh, bold prediction, this is related, but I, I asked Finch about what my bold prediction ends up uh, being. This is me asking Finch about the Western Conference this year. One boom this season. I think you're going to kind of like feel that. I mean, all 15 teams in the West over the course of the season, like as a kind of condensed group with a lot of good teams. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, I, I guess there's no real off nights, quote unquote. But, you know, we've been shitty on off nights, so uh, maybe it's best for us since we have a little bit more edge to us. Um, you know, just put us, you know, tighten our kind of anxiety around some of these things. And maybe it's like, maybe we just say this every year. It's, yeah. Oh, it's going to be really good. But there, there have been previous years, but maybe when you're in Houston or New Orleans or something, where it's been like 48 wins is the eight seed, just a loaded sort of conference. Yeah. Do you remember that feeling different in those seasons? I can't. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I remember, I mean, yeah, all different variations of the West, you know, uh, when, there were teams that were winning 50 games that didn't make the playoffs, you know, and the East was really, really low at the time. So everyone would go, we'd go East and stack the wins. And, um, but I don't even see uh, the East being down this year. I, you know, they're going to be extremely competitive. I, you know, there's only a handful of teams that, you know, are kind of maybe in a rebuilding or a reset mode. So, uh, I think it's not just the West. I think it's everywhere. I think there could be a lot of teams right around 500 all season long. So that, that last bit is what I wanted to to get, where he says, I think there's a lot of teams that could be 500 all season long, but I wanted to play the first part of the question because he said shitty and <laughs> it's always fun to put in. Um, but, but that is my, th this is my bold prediction. Nobody in the Western Conference wins more than 50 games. 
And, I like that. I, right? I like, like that. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's another way of saying it's going to be super condensed, et cetera, et cetera. Again, not a 50-50 proposition, but is it crazy that Denver wins 49-50 games this year as they kind of like gear shift down off mm-hmm. of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a championship run? Is it crazy that, you know, it takes Phoenix a while? I mean, I think Phoenix is going to be good. Uh, but like, is it crazy if they just win 50 games and they're not above that? And then ba- if, if those two things are true, if like Phoenix and Denver are 49, 50, then it, if it's not them, who is it? Who, who is the like, well, oh, the, the team that clearly exceeds 50, like you're talking about some team like the wolves making some sort of really unexpected leap. Like who, who, who's the third most likely team to win 50 games in the Western Conference because right it'd be Denver and Phoenix would be the top two I would I would say and I hate saying this probably the Lakers see that, that's why I was thinking too but it's like man aren't the Lakers like a downshift team also like historically I, I said and this one's equal, like you could poke just as many holes in this I was like the Clippers but like you know they're have not been a regular season team at all recently like I just I don't know who the Western Conference team is that like blows everybody out of the water if Denver isn't like guns blazing to you know throughout this year, which I honestly don't think they will be. Like the bench is gonna be something they're gonna need to figure out over the course of the year, which that does get you like four or five wins or cost you four or five wins if you have a bad bench. Like they might have a bad bench until the trade deadline. I bet you they'll go get like somebody at the at the deadline but I, I i don't know i'm just i'm really dug into all the other teams and really have my like over under win projections but just broadly i'm like i don't know i don't know if there's a a team that's for sure like 55 plus well there were only two teams in the west last year right the nuggets went 53 and 29 and the grizzlies went 51 and 31 and they don't have a job you know what i mean and like you said yeah. so you're just even condensing it yeah. you're condensing it even more or you know the Star Wars moving the walls in or whatever. It's like the Nuggets are going to downshift. The Grizzlies are without their best player for a quarter of the season. Yeah. Kings, I think, will have a little regression. The Suns are going to just have, I think, some bad stretches because they are so top-heavy. So I like that. And I like a team like the Clippers, I'm I'm pretty out on. I do think the Lakers, is, again, as much as it pains me, I've watched them in the preseason a little bit. They, they're so yeah. deep, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, I think, younger then we maybe give them credit for simply because yes, they they're like in the Tom Brady phase now of LeBron's the oldest player in the league, but a lot of the guys around him are pretty young, right? I mean, they like re-signed Vando, obviously D'Lo, uh, Gabe Vincent's look really good. They just have a lot of young, uh, just got a lot of young guys, Austin Reeves. So I like that. And to I was, Finch's, to, to, sorry, one last thing, like no, to Finch's point, like the East isn't going to be bad this year either. And like, Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. when the West has been had these insane win totals is because it was a really good conference and the East wasn't good. Like, I, I don't know. I, I do think Boston and Milwaukee, particularly given that they're going to need to be figuring out some things during the regular season, are going to they're not going to have that downshift. Right. I can see both of those teams being 55 or plus. Right. And, you know, even Philly, uh, there's there's a handful of teams in in the East that I think there might be three or four teams in the East that have a better record than the second best team in the West. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That That's just, again, without super digging into it, uh, kind of where my head is at of just how the overall standings look. I, I 
taking a step back from Timberwolves for a second, and maybe we'll do this next week or something, or you can talk about with another guest. The East is just going to have bad teams. I mean, there's just teams I look up because like mm-hmm. someone's got to be bad, right? You look around, it's like I don't. I'm really down on like a team like the Hornets and the Wizards and the Pistons and stuff. You look in the West, it's like who do you know is going to be bad? Because mm-hmm. I've watched one Wembenyama game so far, and it's like, oh my god, like they're not going to win less than you know. 25 games the rockets right. have to win games i think they don't have their pick top four protected like that's mm-hmm. they have an incentive to win the blazers are really young but they've looked feisty and then yeah jazz maris all those teams i'll give you mine and it might segue into a brief conversation um about what you do on the side as a private secondary job but i think only two teams from the northwest division will make the playoffs think about that so you're saying the Thunder don't make it? The Thunder, the Blazers, and the Jazz don't make it. Yeah. I, I am that. saying, technically speaking, that only two teams will make it. That is my prediction. But I have struggled this week with Thunder Week because <laughs> I don't... I know that I'm big Chet Holmgren guy. I know that you know he's looked great in the preseason. I just keep coming back to the last time the Thunder played a basketball game. They lost by 35 to the Wolves. And yes, they didn't have Chet, but the Wolves had, I think, what, two healthy arms between Nas and Jaden. So they weren't necessarily at full strength either. I just don't understand how this team is like, you know, on a national scale being the team that they're going to win 55 games. I I just don't see it. And I don't think, I think they'll be fun and have a week where you're like, wow, this team, you know, like the Pelicans. Well, they had that stretch. They had their own Nas Reed week yeah. for a while. And it's yeah. and they're like they're first in the West. And it's like, actually, you know what? They fell completely off the hill. So mm-hmm. um, Denver's a lock to make the playoffs, barring some gruesome injury. But uh, I think only two teams make it. And I think, I don't know what the Lakers division is. I think it's like the Pacific. But that is a bloodbath. Because that's like Lakers, Kings, Clippers, Warriors, Suns. Yeah. All five of those teams have to have better odds to make it than a young, promising, but young Thunder team. And I know that hurts because, again, publicly you cover the Timberwolves, but privately I know you want to cover the Thunder. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> they are by... Uh, you are a dark been. web Thunder beat reporter. Hey, you know, I, I shout out Down to Dunk. I listened to <laughs> Down to Dunk with Andrew yep. Schlecht. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm with that. I'm with that too. Like, I don't think the Thunder are going to win more games than the Wolves. I like Thunder. Um, it's They got their own experiment going on there too that is literally like the pocket in your shorts turn side out inside out of what the wolves are doing uh in just being extremely small and credit to them and it was quite frankly like kind of amazing that they were as good of a defense i actually i have those defensive numbers up right now but the the, the thunder were a good defensive an average deep average offense average defensive team last season I, I guess i'm remembering earlier in the year when they were top 10 that they were able to defend being as small as they were and just make that work yeah. uh, was a bit miraculous. And having watched some of those games, it was like, it was like, I think they're doing this because they're just trying harder than the other team. You know, like mm-hmm. they pushed in transition really good. They did a really good job of being back in transition, like super smart, fundamentally sound, really well coached team. Um, the, the reason to take the Thunder under is that, like, 
they are so process oriented as mm-hmm. an organization. Like again, haven't watched the Thunder a good amount. Even last season when they're in like this push for the playoffs, they're rolling out like eleven man rotations often. And it's like, all right, give him Poku another try for these two weeks. Um, you know, Usman Jing. It's the second half of the season. We had it planned into our calendar that we're going to boost his minutes in March up into like night. Like they do that. They do some things from like a overall top down standpoint that is about a larger goal, which is actually, I respect that. I think that's kind of smart, whatever. But from a winning games in the regular season standpoint, that gets in the way, right? By taking back some of your other players. I know they're bigger uh, with Chet. Than, than they were last year when they started like Kenrich Williams or one of the J-Dub, J-Williams mm-hmm. uh, at, at center. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be bad. It, it's a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit overreactive to me that they're in that same tier as I think more talented teams like the Wolves and the Pelicans uh, maybe the Kings, like they're all in that same sort of 45, 44, 45 win bucket. If you look at the win total over unders and those teams, the Wolves and the Pelicans and the King, like they got their problems, but they're also teams that could be really good if they're able to to iron those out. I, Yeah, I, and, I, I'm kind of it's been a little overreactive to the and, to and I. The Thunder are like the closest thing the league has to like a puppy. Like, how do you hate the Thunder? They have yeah, great front office. They're probably the most underrated coach in the league. He's really good. Yeah. How many, Shane. how many people, wait, wait, no, let's just pause. How many people, like, do you know the name of the Thunders coach? Dang like, not. I know you, you do, but right? like, I think like a lot of people don't. And then, yeah, even if you don't know what it is, not that many people ought to say it or Dagnall. I think I don't even, I'm not even. Certain. Oh, it's Mark. Yeah. it's Mark. Uh, I would have called him Mike. So yeah. we are off to I a think, hot no, start maybe I messed it up. I, I don't know. But uh, I, Great coach, I, just, I just wonder with the Thunder, again, they have everything you'd want, right? In terms of front office, coach, assets, all this stuff. It's just to have, I don't really think, and we do this all the time, but like we just want to continue to build linear. And I don't think this team is just, oh, yeah, they're 42 and or they're 40 and 42 last year. They're just going to win 10 more games because Chet plays. It's like, well, I'd like to see Chet play 70 games. And I'm, yeah. there are not five bigger Chet Holmgren fans than me, but it's like, yeah, he has played once or twice since he got hurt in like a summer pickup game. So I I think both of us are saying like, we wouldn't be surprised if they hit the over and win 45 games, but it seems like the energy around the thunder right now is that they're going to be like a 49 win team. And and my tongue in cheek. But when I said that the last time they played a real game, it was against the wolves and the wolves beat them by 35. I wonder if the thunder get a little of that this year where the thunder won 40 games last year and surprised the hell to everyone. That's because most nights they just surprise people mm-hmm. when the spotlight was on them on a national TV game and the Wolves only had one opponent to prep for. They got run out of the building without mm-hmm. at the Wolves at 60 percent strength. So I wonder if now the Thunder went from being like a, a team people sleep on to every night. That's like, hey, the Thunder are coming to town. We got to bring our A game. And that's going to I mean youth usually does not win in the league, no matter how talented your youth is. So. And that was a, again, a fascinating like juxtaposition of where we're at right now in the NBA of like, we did the small ball thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still doing it. The Wolves and some other teams, you know, the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, the whatever are doing 
big but skilled ball, which is like in theory, right? If you ask Tim Connolly, it's like it's the next horizon, right? It's it's like small ball on steroids. The Thunder aren't, buy, aren't buying into that, or maybe they just don't have the roster yet uh, to be able to do that. They're extremely small, and that's what led them to get punked in the playing game against the Wolves. And you would have to think if you are a team like the Wolves, like the Celtics, you know, like the Bucks, or a lot of other teams that can go big, you you your game plan is like we are imposing our will physically in this game uh, on the glass and simultaneously being intentional about not letting that team run us, right? Like they're good at that. They're good at that. Like they, they take advantage of teams trying to go after the glass on them. But if that's in your scout, you know, like I, I think that's one of their, their biggest problems. That's enough. That's an, uh, as much as I'd like to talk about talking thunder for, 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 for <laughs> your next minutes, pod. But, <laughs> um, Let's uh let's wrap up this episode, Kyle, uh, with uh with prize picks. Uh, we do this every Friday. Kyle and I choose uh, two picks each from the the Sunday slate of games. Kyle, you can already see mine up on the screen here. Prize picks is a sponsor. Prizepicks.com, Prize Picks app. Uh, use the promo code Dane uh, for a one hundred dollars sign up bonus if you aren't uh, already on board with this. Uh, we we love Prize Picks, and it's just a a fun way to doing it. Me and Jace got all four of ours right on Wednesday. So yeah, thank you. My yeah. uh, bank account appreciates that. There also, we <laughs> too, we should add uh, a very scary trend has popped up again from last season. I don't know if you remember this, but you and I also went perfect last week. I said the first week didn't count because I was mentally in Abu Dhabi. But last week we went three and zero, and the one that got like DNP'd was Anthony Richardson over one and a half touchdowns. But because he left the game early, prize picks, like, they do a really uh-huh. good job of yeah. if you say more and a guy gets injured in the first half, they'll, like, refund you. Yeah. Um, but I am very concerned because if you remember last year, for, like, eight straight weeks, I'd pick a guy and he'd get a concussion. Yeah. So I am frightened <laughs> about it. Like, I had a really good Jordan Addison uh-huh. one, and I was like, I don't think I can do that to to my mental health. So what are your two first? Cause I see yeah, on the board. I, I'm, just, I'm just liking these. Uh, it's, like, two players to score a touchdown or mm-hmm. not proposition mm-hmm. last week. I did Miles Sanders and Shuba Hubbard to not score a touchdown. Okay. Um, and that, and with you and I, that, that hit. So maybe I'm doing the, like getting in. I, I don't know. I, I like that prop. It's a fun, fun easy thing to be able to kind of like track on a Sunday. So I pulled up the Vikings bears game and it's Alexander Madison and Darnell Moody more or less than 0.5 touchdowns in this game. And I think it's more likely than not that both of them don't score a touchdown. So I said less than 0.5 there. And then, you know, sometimes you look at these, again, it's pairings of players. Uh, It was both of the Seahawks receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, more or less than 0.5 touchdowns scored. And I'm going to say more uh, for that one. So those are my two. Again, there is a good Jordan Addison receiving yards at 54 and a half, but I, I don't need that man to get hurt uh, from my own mentals. So Justin Fields in that same game, over one and a half passing slash rushing slash receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just he's one of the biggest threats to run one in. So sure. why would that not? And again, the Vikings, that game is probably going to be pretty high scoring. I know it's in Chicago. Um, and then the other one I had was... I dare you to do a less there. Oh, well, uh, anyway, coach, uh, I'm going to do I'm going to do Jamar Chase over 86 and a half receiving yards. Uh, A little narrative there. But uh, I think you're as we're talking off screen, you made a acquisition of DK Metcalf this week in your fantasy league. 
Yes. He said something about that he thought their secondary Seattle would shut down Jamar Chase. And then I think mm-hmm. Jamar Chase liked the tweet. Yeah, That's yeah. all I need. So <laughs> he is going to, uh, he had 192 yards and I think three yeah. touchdowns, tutties last week against the Cardinals. They're at home. I think the Bengals are back. Joe Burrow looks healthy. And I think mm-hmm. Jamar Chase is a stone cold lock for 100 receiving yards. So love it. Uh, let's recap it. Kyle's uh, are more than 86 and a half receiving yards for Jamar Chase. More than one and a half uh, passing plus rushing plus receiving touchdowns for Justin Fields. Uh, I have DK Metcalf and Tyler Metcalf combining for more than half a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, Tyler Metcalf, shout out to homie. Tyler Metcalf, (laughs) Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, yo, what's up, Tyler? Uh, And uh, then Alexander Madison and Darnell Mooney, less than 0.5 rushing receiving touchdowns. Uh, I'm prize picks. This is just fun. Uh, Football season is my favorite thing to do with it. But Kyle, we're going to do this at, at a separate date. I think this is pretty sweet uh, yep. that they just have season props for this, where it's like, I'm just looking at the top one right here. LeBron James to ha- average more or less than 27.1 points per game this season. Like they they have a decent amount of those just per game uh, numbers, rebounds, assists, threes made, whatever. Um, that's going to be fun. I, I, I haven't had the chance to really dig into any any of that stuff yet but let's make sure we do that uh on a pod uh before the before the season starts but again prizepicks.com prizepicks app i appreciate you guys rolling with us you can uh, bet doing these you can bet technical fouls and there's like on the season really? there's josh giddy over under 0.5 technical fouls i'm gonna rock the hell out of under one of the nicest guys in the league <laughs> Uh, so I'll give you an under Mike next Conley week. 2.0. <laughs> yeah, Mike Conley's over-under is set at negative 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> like, can Mike get even less than zero? Uh, no, and then again, as we always do, and we'll do this list throughout the season, but I was just scrolling through our, our page. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple and Spotify, you know, take 10 seconds, quick, pause the podcast, give a review, give a rating. That stuff matters to us. It's the only compensation we need. And then also, too, I, our YouTube page now is fully up and running. Again, so shout out to Cooper for that. But we're doing things that don't even make sense to me, but we got shorts and we got TikToks. And I think you're even going to dabble with some like, once the season yeah. gives you enough meat, you're going to start doing just play breakdown, small videos that might not even be normal podcasts. So we're yeah. just, oh, I'm excited to- about that. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I've talked about that really. Like I, I thought about doing it off of the Abu Dhabi games, but, but I was like, all right, maybe we don't need to do a full breakdown of, <laughs> of that. But I, I think that'll be fun. You know, I mean, people who follow me on Twitter or whatever, I'm, I'm tweeting out clips all the time and doing that. I'm going to try and kind of take some of that, um, put them all together on YouTube for little eight, 10 minute sort of things. And then, you know, tweet those out on, on, on Twitter as well. But, uh, but yeah, that'll be a fun thing to do. We're just trying to do more different things this season. And yeah, appreciate you. Yeah, subscribe, 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 subscribe. It's a bit it, as my I had to tell my dad this, like you're not going to get any notifications or emails. It's not like yeah. you subscribe to Bed Bath and Beyond. Just like subscribe so we can build up our numbers. So more people that log into any of those apps or mm-hmm. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, it pops up right there. That's big for us because one thing that's real is like, I know you're still going to tweet out all the links and stuff this season, mm-hmm. but there is some weird algorithm stuff with like links in tweets not really showing. So if you want to know as soon as this pops up and we've yeah. been getting them out, hot right like again cooper's getting posted so subscribe 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 we appreciate you and uh we'll do less of this when the season starts but i'm excited we've got through all the growing pains we have employees we have staff we have a tiktok account it's hot so uh we just need basketball again we need brunch we're <laughs> and it's coming it's uh saturday this saturday they they play the knicks um and then tuesday maccabi thursday chicago uh i believe 
would love again to uh, see a bunch of you uh, hang out on Saturday with me and Britt and Cooper and the Falling Egg staff and a bunch of uh, just free tickets. Fans. Yeah, free yeah. tickets, like to good of, games. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll like if you buy a beer, you get a raffle ticket. We'll you know call those out uh, during the pod, after the pod, during the game. Uh, should have some merch and stuff that we'll give away. Falling Knife is going to be selling some too, some other merch there. But you know, again, hopefully it's just a fun way to get everyone together to to watch a Wolves game together while we can do it, uh, kind of afford to do it because it's the preseason. So we'd love to see you uh, at Falling Knife. Kyle, I appreciate you uh, coming on here today. We'll uh, do something else prediction-y here in, I guess we got we got 12 days until the season starts. I'm excited. Like I said, it, uh, it was great to have them back in our lives and they disappeared. So real and real games, right? I mean, real competitive. I think this will pick up again. The Knicks, you know, are going to play hard. I don't know what words you said of who they play on Tuesday. Not familiar with them. Mac, Mac, something. Um, but then on, when they, on Thursday, too, like, this is big because now I thought we got real snippets during those first two games against the Mavs, right? Like, that's how I built all my predictions is you're starting to see Finch showing his hand a little bit. Uh, you're going to start to see the rotation, I think, maybe even tighten up a little bit, and you'll get a better idea of what this is going to look like come October 25th when they tip this thing off for real against the Toronto Raptors. Can't wait. Uh, he's Kyle Tige. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tige. Uh, if you need more Kyle's dulcet tones in your ears, you can listen to him over at Flagrant Hollows with Phil Mackey as well. Uh, next episode up in the feed will be whatever the heck me and Britt talk about at uh, at Falling Knife, which should be fun. We'll kind of just do maybe a looser season preview and then also take uh, listener questions or people asking questions who, who are at the event. So that should be up probably uh, on Sunday and we'll keep rolling uh, into Monday with uh, Chris Hine and do it all over again. So uh, until I see you all, all, all of you at Falling Knife. <laughs> On, on Saturday, he's Kyle. I'm Dan. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you dancing like nobody else around.